It's time for Shattered Soulstone. Featuring the latest news from Sanctuary and beyond. Each episode, a heroic party of Nephilim band together to help keep you informed on everything in the Diablo universe. And now, your Diablo Community Podcast. Coming to you from somewhere in Sanctuary, this is episode 442 of Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo Community Podcast. This episode is called Season of the Construct. It is January 19, 2024, and this is Jen. I'm going to start off with an article on windowscentral.com titled Why Xbox Customers Are Right to Be Angry About Microsoft Putting More Quote Exclusive End Quote Games on Nintendo or PlayStation. This is written by Jez Corden. Uh, published a few days ago. So here's a little piece from this. It is a long article, so I will not be reading all of it word for word, but I'll at least give you an idea of what the article's about. In mid-November, I started sending out feelers to contacts and sources within Microsoft to inquire about a tip I'd received that Sea of Thieves was potentially exploring a PlayStation or Nintendo Switch version. I was unable to confirm nor refute those rumors, but it wouldn't be the last time I'd hear similar. A few weeks later, Microsoft Gaming and Xbox Chief Financial Officer Tim Stewart caused controversy by saying it wants to bring its first-party games to every screen possible including Nintendo and PlayStation devices. Later, rumors began to emerge that, indeed, games like Hi-Fi Rush and Sea of Thieves may be slated to lose their console exclusivity status, heading to PlayStation or Nintendo Switch or both. Naturally, all of this caused uproar within the Xbox community faithful for a variety of reasons. Besides the most aggressive console fanboys, nobody is necessarily against more people getting to play more games. Gatekeeping sucks in general, whether it's Apple, Google, Microsoft, or whoever else. It would be ideal if we could get all of our content on whatever platform we feel like getting it on, and it would be ideal if artists and creators could hit the biggest audiences possible. It would be ideal if corporations would still keep prices low for consumers, even if there was reduced competition. However, we don't live in an ideal corporate world. Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella, I hope I'm pronouncing that at least close to right, remarked during the Activision Blizzard acquisition hearings last year that the only reason they do exclusive games is because the competition does it. And that's exactly the reason why most people are quite rightly irked by these rumors. However, it goes beyond mere, quote, jealousy, end quote, or console tribalism, despite some suggestions I've seen on social media. As customers investing in the Xbox ecosystem, which, by the way, locks you in by preventing the resale of digital purchases, we deserve to know about things that can affect the future viability of the Xbox platform. Eroding the consistency of Xbox's first party, in my view, does exactly that. Here are some thoughts on why Microsoft would consider doing this in the first place and some thoughts on why I think, if true, those plans would be incredibly short-sighted. So here's a little bit about Microsoft's business logic. I'll give you a few paragraphs of that and then it'll just kind of go from there. Um, It is long. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will read you a little bit more. So the first part here that's, you know, right here on my screen is Microsoft's business logic. There's a graph here of different things that I'm not going to go into. 
First and foremost, you have to understand that the cold, hard reality is that supporting other platforms makes total and complete sense. The business of gaming is software and services more than ever. Despite the emphasis from the game's media about hardware sales this and NPD rankings that, none of it truly matters. The only few, only a few of the biggest players in the gaming industry actually even make hardware with the biggest Tencent eschewing it all together. Consoles, as we all know and should appreciate by now, are sold at cost. Much like inkjet printers, you sell the printers cheap and you make money on the ink. Ink being games, microtransactions, and subscription services in this case. Every games company takes a slightly different approach for sure, owing to regional factors, legacy platforms, and so on. Each plays to their unique strengths. Nintendo is finding room for expansion by building theme parks and listening more deeply in their into their beloved Disney-grade recognizable franchises. PlayStation builds industry-leading single-player experiences and cinematic masterpieces, while Microsoft has leaned into its cloud might, building potent multiplayer service games. Despite Sony massive three-to-one hardware lead by some estimates, Microsoft maintains pace in gaming revenue, and part of that is down to strong service-type games. Some of it is a lead in subscription services, and some of it is also a day-one support on Steam for Windows PCs. Indeed, Microsoft is prolifically good at monetizing its vast audience, even without counting Activision Blizzard's MAUs or as part of that whole. When you factor in massive games like Minecraft, which are on every platform on Earth, it becomes easy to understand why. When it comes to pure, cold math, games like Sea of Thieves, Halo Infinite, or Starfield would also perform far, far better if they were available across every platform out there, and the margins are far, far better on paper than a raw console sale. In fact, if someone picked up an Xbox just to play Starfield and nothing else, it could account for a net loss versus if they'd just picked it up on Steam instead. That Xbox console is barely a profitable sale in its own right, if at all, and Microsoft will indeed bank on the idea that those users will go on to subscribe to Xbox Game Pass, maybe buy some Diablo 4 microtransactions, or potentially explore other games in the ecosystem. And it goes on from there. Everything I talk about on the show will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com. Comes out every Saturday. Moving on to Diablo Immortal, I've got a couple things here. There is a thing titled Diablo Immortal Bug Fixes and Patch Notes for All Platforms. This was from Blizzard Entertainment on January 16, 2024, so just recently. So here's what you need to know. The Diablo Immortal team has been diligently monitoring your feedback and working to introduce bug fixes and patches to further improve your playing experience. As we implemented these types of changes for the iOS, Android, and PC versions of Immortal, we will update this list. If you are looking for PC-specific updates, please visit our PC Known Issues blog. There's a link there if you want to check that out. Bug fixes are typically applied at a higher frequency, addressing smaller related issues. They don't require a large download to be applied to the game. Patches are larger client-side updates that require a download for players to obtain. New patches will require players to update before they can continue playing. January 16, 2024 bug fixes. Gameplay. Fixed an issue where certain set items couldn't be found in the menu to craft unless the player filtered for that specific set. Fixed minor visual issues with the familiar system. Fixed an issue with the Survivor's Bane event that prevented players from interacting with its entry point in Westmarch and has a UI fix. Fixed a visual issue with the ultimate skill button. Uh, before that, it goes back to January 9, uh, which has a lot of stuff going on here. And after that, it's December. So I'll give you a bit about January 9 bug fixes. 
for Diablo Immortal. Uh, gameplay optimized visuals of the wizard's Sprite Spark legendary Aphex by removing its blue frame effect. Fixed minor issue interface issues with the familiars feature. Fixed an issue where interrupting the familiars system melding process would obscure the resulting confirmation screen until the melding process was run again. Fixed an issue with Hero's Journey where some of its objectives couldn't be completed. Fixed an issue where skill cooldowns weren't triggered. Fixed an issue with Darkling Plane where it unintentionally linked out to a region-specific survey. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so what's Survivor's Bane? I don't actually know right now, but they did a lot of things to fix it. Um, fixed an issue where the milestone rewards wouldn't grant battle points. Fixed an issue where the events task to defeat bosses wouldn't grant battle points. Fixed an issue that depicted the incorrect amount of battle points for completing 15 and 20 games and also reaching level 20. Fixed an issue where players didn't receive equipment enhancements after leveling all their skills to the maximum level. Fixed an issue where enemies would stop spawning in endless mode. That seems like a big problem, doesn't it? <laughs> fixed an issue where endless mode's timer would unintentionally reset at the 60 minute mark fixed an issue with on-screen visuals being overly stretched in vertical mode on mobile devices fixed an issue where the portal which advances players to the next level appeared at inaccessible locations well that's just not good at all glad they fixed that one fixed an issue where the uh, i just read that fixed an issue where the splash screens uh with the splash screens dimensions and fixed an issue which prevented some players from interacting with the event's entry point in addition, we have a full Diablo Immortal thing for the upcoming uh, Season 22. So it's titled Save Sanctuary from Pestilence with the Season 22 Battle Pass. That's from January 15th from Blizzard Entertainment. Here's a little bit to know about. Sanctuary is oozing with maladies to be eradicated. Wanderer, go forth and defend your home. Since our last content update, players rung in the new year with adjustments to a variety of features and returning events. This content update introduces the Plague Reaper Battle Pass, balance changes for Battleground, Right of Exile in all classes, plus feature updates and more. As with previous content updates, there will be server maintenance starting on January 16, which is already done apparently for servers, you know, here, there, and everywhere. There is a video you can watch on YouTube embedded within this news article, and it's, it's titled Season 22 Battle Pass Plague Reaper. The afflicted infect sanctuary with their malicious presence, track down and stamp out the source of disease as a plague reaper. Season, the Season 22 Battle Pass ushers in a period of remediation for sanctuary's wounds on January 18, which was yesterday. 3 a.m. server time. There's some things in here you can pick up. This battle past hosts 40 ranks worth of challenges and rewards, such as crests, hilts, and more. Starting with this battle pass, players will have the option to choose between receiving two Taloric Pearls, Fervent Fang two-star legendary gem, or the new Grim Rhythm two-star legendary gem. The new gem can be acquired from rank 40 of the battle pass and ranks 1, 20, and 40 of the empowered battle pass. The Grim Rhythm legendary gem can also be acquired from the Boon of Plenty. Here's what the gem does. Description at rank 10. Dealing damage increases your attack speed by 2.4% for three seconds, stacking up to 10 times. While at full stacks, your movement speed is increased by 12%. Remember, new rank rewards are available in the Empowered Battle Pass, such as a familiar contact at rank 1, and rotating cosmetics can be obtained from the Battle Archive Shop for owners of the Collector's Empowered Battle Pass. Such an infectious scourge can't be left to fester. This Battle Pass ends on February 15, 3 a.m. server time. Begin slaying demons and climbing your way through the ranks today. 
And then there's returning events. The fractured plane is coming back. There's shady stock. Yakin has once again come into possession of some liberated merchandise, likely plucked from a faraway excavation. His shady stock is in demand and will be able to peruse from January 20, 3 a.m. to January 27, 3 a.m. server time, or until West March guards raid his supply. Alley of Blood, I don't know what that is exactly. Quarreling forces threaten to desecrate hallowed grounds, making a point in the conflict between the forces of shadows and immortals. Demolish opposing sentry towers and dismantle the enemy's team base, team's base of operations by shattering their crystal heart. Imbue your adventurer with specialist skills for a tactical advantage and guard and bolster your champion's marks to claim the day. From January 26, which is already passed, through February 2nd, 3 a.m. server time, fight alongside sacred guardians in the alley of blood here are the rules of engagement all characters will be set to level 60. The rank of all legendary gear and set gear will be set to 1. The rank for all legendary gems on your character will be set to 10. Bonuses from the following are disabled as well. Residents, clans and warbands, normal gems and charms, heliquary bonuses, stances, and paragon specialization. There's an infernal knowledge thing going on. Um, let's see what this wants to do. It's already started on January 27th. No, it's ahead of us, January 27th through February 3rd. And it's, uh, okay, here's the little storyline with this one. In Sanctuary, few are capable to stand against the darkness and wager their life for the defenseless. But you, adventurer, have consigned your days to thinning out the ranks of the burning hells ushering in safety where all hope was once lost. Your quest to serve the downtrodden grows in complexity. Equip yourself with the infernal knowledge to prevail, and then you can get these things. If you complete three tasks, you get one random legendary item. Five tasks gives you three rare crests. Eight tasks gives you one telluric pearl, and ten tasks gives you one legendary crest. There's also balance changes going on, and I'll leave you to read those. I don't know what class you're playing. I haven't played in a while. Um, there's some feature updates with the Heliquary matchmaking. In addition to existing Raid Finder feature, we have added the ability for players to automatically matchmake into Heliquary raids. Clicking or tapping the quick matching button will have the system locate seven other players for you to topple Hell's staunchest champions alongside. To use this feature, players must have unlocked the appropriate Hell difficulty for the boss they wish to fight and have the appropriate combat rating. The create, the create raid feature remains unchanged. There's um, heliquary exit portals that have some blacksmiths in them. Maybe I'm not sure about that. Uh, battleground matchmaking players are no longer able to allocate paragon points during a battleground match. Here's a developer's note. We have seen players fully revert their Paragon points prior to entering a Battleground match, and once the match began, they would spend those Paragon points on abilities that would turn the match in their team's favor. Then, after the match was completed, players would restore their Paragon points to what they originally were prior to the match. We want to ensure that Battleground remains fun for everyone and have observed how this strategy interferes with that desire. There's also Familiars. And this is an article from December of 2022 titled How to Complete the Season Journey in Diablo 4 Season 2. This is from Blizzard Watch, written by Elizabeth Harper. And um, I personally need this one because I've kind of lost track of where I'm supposed to go to complete the season journey. I know where I can find it within the game. I am playing on an Xbox because it doesn't play on a Mac um, in Diablo 4. So, yeah. So it's what it's got in here is... Step by step, chapter one, all the way through uh, 
let's see, Destroyer, which I don't think I'll get to in the next couple days. But it's possible that I missed some stuff along the way, and you don't have to do all of them specifically. Like, Chapter 1 says complete six of eight objectives to, to earn all rewards and unlock Chapter 2, and it kind of goes on from there. So this is something I'm going to be looking at very, very closely the next time I try streaming Diablo 4 and see how many of these I can get done or that I've already got done. It seems like a lot. I know I got into Chapter 4 of that, where you need 9 out of 11 objectives to earn all the rewards and unlock Slayer. I just got to the part where I was trying to find, um, maybe this, I think it was act, uh, Chapter 4. And there's a thing in there that I've read from somewhere that um, will tell you how to get these, like, pieces of body parts to go into a thing under the tree, I think. And I don't know. I'm still working on that. There's a lot more to go. So if this is you... This will be in the show notes at ShatteredSoulStone.com, and I'll let you know if I get through more of this. I don't know how that's going to go. I've got an article here from Polygon titled, Diablo 4's new season is full of infernal machines with scorpion mechs from hell. But don't worry, you have a magical machine insect of your own in Season of the Construct, written by Michael McWhorter. And so here's a little bit about that. Diablo 4 Season 3 starts January 23rd, sending players deep beneath the desert sands of Kegistan, where they'll face new mechanized menaces, including scorpion-like constructs, deadly traps, and the demon Malthus. Who is Malthus? I've never heard of this demon. I think he was created out of whole cloth just to make this season fun, which is good. To balance the odds, players will get a mechanized ally of their own known as a Seneschal as part of Season of the Construct. Blizzard Entertainment revealed the details on Diablo 4's Season of the Construct on Tuesday, including a new seasonal questline centered on a corrupted ancient device known as the Loom. Created by Zoltan Kuhl, the power-hungry Haradrim, also responsible for creating the Black Soul Stone, the Loom has been taken over by demonic forces, which have in turn released a swarm of constructs into Sanctuary. Also resting in the bowels of that Loom, the demon Malthus, a servant of Diablo who has created, quote, his own private hell, end quote, Blizzard says. Malthus is Diablo 4's first stationary boss, and he uses a series of traps against players as they try to destroy him. Malthus is also responsible for corrupting the constructs, elemental-powered devices that players will battle through the season for the construct-specific items. There is a YouTube video embedded in this article if you want to check that out. It's the announced trailer of Season of the Construct. Players will battle constructs as they explore the loom, dive into seasonal dungeons called vaults, and adventure in the overworld. Above-ground constructs will appear in areas called Arcane Tremors. Season of the Construct will give players their own construct, a Seneschal. This autonomous companion will have its own UI, and players will be able to customize its abilities using items called Governing Stones and Tuning Stones. Their Seneschal can tank monsters to help break up mobs and heal the player, among other talents. Season 3 dungeons vaults are built around the concept of traps and hazards spikes swirling flame columns and machines that spew poison gases these traps are quote much deadlier and require far more complex skills to avoid blizzard says vaults will offer coveted legendary loot however which can only be earned by maintaining a new stacking buff called zoltan's warding there's some pictures of this in here as well and it just goes on from there for a little bit i think my highest level character in diablo four is around 62 or something like that and i figure i'd have to be bigger to get into that thing but we'll see what i can do with it once this thing is live diablo four also posted on you know blizzard 
Um, support a streamer. Earn the uh, auric auriculum mount. I'm probably massacring the pronunciation, but this is what it is. Um, on January 23rd, Wanderers will combat a new threat under the endless sand dunes of Kedjistan in the season of the construct, forging an opportunity for exploration and acquiring a new support, a streamer reward. From January 23, 4 p.m. PST, February 26th, 11.59 p.m. PST, giving or buying two... Two, Twitch subscriptions of any tier to any streamer in the Diablo 4 category will earn you the Oraculum Speckled Mare mount. I've got a picture of it in this article. It is a brown mare. It's got black uh, mane and it's, you know, just looks kind of standard. It's got some rope around it that you could use to, I guess, guide the horse. And it's got some markings on its face. That much I know. So here's some questions if you don't know how to do this support a streamer thing, which I honestly don't know. So let's find out. How do I purchase a subscription on Twitch? Oh, that's how that's going to go, huh? Real world money kind of stuff? Hmm, maybe. So the answer is users must first log into Twitch, either using a PC or mobile device. Purchases may be made on either a mobile device or your PC. Detailed information on purchasing subscriptions can be found here. There's a link to that. And information on purchasing subscriptions can be found in another place with another link. Where can I find my campaign rewards once I've earned them? Answer, the campaign reward code will be delivered to the user's Twitch notification inbox once they have been earned. The notification inbox can be found to the right of the top navigation bar on Twitch. The codes will remain there until the user deletes the message. Question, once I have claimed my code from Twitch for the Oraculum Speckled Mare mount, how do I redeem it in Battle.net? Battle.net. Log into battle.net and visit the account overview menu. Enter the code in the redeem a code box and click redeem code. What should I do if I'm having a problem receiving my code on Twitch? Answer is campaign reward code delivery can take up to 24 hours to be sent once earned. The code will remain there until the user deletes the message after completion of a qualifying purchase. If after waiting 24 hours and verifying that your purchases were made toward an, toward an eligible streamer that was live streaming, please contact Twitch support while logged in. Okay, so here's the thing. This is talking about you got to go to the Battle.net thing. Well, I'm playing Diablo 4 on an Xbox that doesn't have the Battle.net thing in there, so I don't really know that I can do this, but probably most of you can. So if you want to get a new little horsey to run around in Season of the Construct, it's it's an option. And speaking of that, um, Max Roll has a article written by Dread Scythe, who does such amazing work with making me understand what's going on in the seasons. Uh, so this is Season of the Construct, Season 3 preview. This is posted on January 16th, and I'll, it's got the big video in there. It's a long video. You know, you want to Get yourself a drink and be comfy because it's a pretty long video if you're going to watch that. Maybe you already have. So this is what he wrote. The Diablo team just dropped a major news blog about season three season of the construct. Good guy Zoltan Cool still has some toys. Toys is in italics. For us to play around with. The season theme involves us going to a new hub, the Gate Hall, located in Kedjistan to access new deadly vaults. The vaults, as well as elsewhere, can drop two different types of new stones, governing stone and tuning stones. These stones determine the abilities of your seneschal companion obtained during the seasonal quest line. Governing stones determine the attack of your companion, and you can have up to two of 12 possible stones selected. 
tuning stones augment the governing stones and your companion. You can have three, three per governing stone. For a total of six, there are 27 types of these stones. Defeating constructs within vaults can drop a shattered stone hey, um, that can be crafted at the jeweler into either stone. Uh, crafting or obtaining duplicates and fusing them with the stones you have equipped levels them you, you have equipped levels them up to increase their power. On top of this, several known and unknown quality of life improvements are coming with Season 3. Helltide uptime changes, WSAD movement being added. Uh, that's on your keyboard, which, of course, I'm not doing because I'm playing on an Xbox, but that's going to help a lot of people to just to move around. I mean, that's WASD is a very old way of moving characters around on the screen from way back when. Um, some of us have used it before in the past. Some of us probably are like, what is that? Why, is, why are they calling it that? You know, but yeah. It'll help you move your character around. Um, an extra stab, stash tab, which we all need because I have filled mine, you know, um, in season two. A draft mode for skill point allocation, parentheses, paragon two, three question marks, end of parentheses, along with others are coming. The gauntlet with leaderboards appears to be slightly delayed from the launch of season three. And here's stuff from the blog post that is probably from Blizzard. And there's a lot of stuff in here. And it explains what all the governing stones do, what all the tuning stone abilities are. I highly recommend you check this out because Dread Scythe does very detailed, in-depth stuff about video games, especially Diablo stuff. So, yeah, you should check that out. I think it's going to be an interesting season. I just don't know if my character's ever going to get strong enough to do it. But we'll see. I haven't decided what class I'm going to play yet. Over on Wowhead from three days ago, posted by Oxide, we have extra stash tab added in, in Season 3 Diablo 4. And that's really, there's a piece in here somewhere that says an extra stash tab is now available for your adventuring needs. Proceed to the stash in any capital city to purchase an additional stash tab. Um, shortly after the launch of Diablo 4, Sanctuary goers ran into an issue. They ran out of space for all their items. Blizzard has taken small measures to remedy this over the last two seasons, and the journey into the season of the Construct is no different. This time around, Blizzard is giving players what they've been asking for. More stash tabs. Well... One, at least. With Season of the Construct becomes an extra stash tab that player can buy outright like they purchased previous stash tabs. While this is a step in the right direction and further emphasizes Blizzard's dedication to listening to the community, the floodgates have opened. Players have been clamoring for more storage for several season cycles now. And several season cycles? There's been, what, two? We're in the second one now? Okay. Um, anyway, and many have wondered why Blizzard had not added an extra stash tab as a seasonal reward, as is the case with Diablo 3. We may very well still end up with that in the future, but unfortunately, it's just too soon to tell. The good news is Blizzard is listening to the players, and that sentiment seems to be continuing into the future. We've also got from Diablo 4, uh, it's talking about the construct thing so it's titled unearth a looming threat in season of the construct posted on january 16 i'm not sure how much of this is things that i haven't already said but i'll read you some stuff from it Ancient forces threaten sanctuary, aided by your seneschal companion, hazard the many traps and devastating constructs beneath the deserts of Kedjistan. Deep beneath the swirling sands, elemental forces are amassing for malicious whims of the demon Malphus. Only by descending far below the surface will you be able to cull this cursed threat from its root. Season of the Construct 
It's going to start on January 23rd, of course. Prepare to uncover the powerful secrets of Zoltan Kuhl's loom with a new du- dungeon type called Vaults, a seasonal robotic seneschal companion and weekly leaderboards in the gauntlet. Several key of key quality of life features, including almost constant Helltide events. Ooh. Neat. Um, arrive to help aid your conquests while visiting in the while fighting in the vaults. So here's some stuff. Unearth Zoltan Cool's legacy in a new quest line. A new threat lurks bene- deep beneath the sands of Kedjistan, where the loom, an ancient technology designed by Zoltan Cool and Ayushan of Chaldeum, have been usurped by the forces of evil. The demon Malthus is responsible for twisting the loom for his cruel whims. Zoltan Kuhl's former companion, Ayushan, leads you through the treacherous vaults, desperate to stop the formidable Malthus and his deadly constructs from overtaking Sanctuary. There's a lovely photo of that in here, or a screenshot, I guess. Travel to the Gate Hall, a town center underneath Kedjistan that serves as your base of operations in the fight against the constructs. The gate hall is your conduit to access the deadly vaults, riddled with elemental hazards and constructs. These vaults are the key to harnessing the true potential of the loom. Travel to the loom to stop the threat at its source and defeat Malthus in a new boss fight. To play the Season of Construct seasonal questline, you must create a new character on the seasonal realm and have completed the main campaign. Take advantage of the skip main campaign feature once you've completed the prologue if you want to jump right in. Battle side by side with your Seneschal Companion. Weld the power of the loom by acquiring your very own Seneschal Companion, which becomes available during the seasonal quest line. In Zoltan's vision, the Seneschal complements your adventurers by engaging directly in the fight or aiding you dutifully on the sidelines. Using magical governing and tuning stones recovered from the vaults and elsewhere in Sanctuary augment your Seneschal to best suit your targeted build for Season of the Construct. Governing stones determine which attacks your Seneschal can perform, while tuning stones will augment those skills and provide greater utility. This is going to drive me crazy, I'm sure of it, you know? You can equip your Seneschal with two governing stones and six tuning stones, one governing stone for each attack and three tuning stones to augment the ability. There are 12 governing stones and 27 different tuning stones of different uh, rarities to seek out in the vaults to unlock the full power of the Seneschal construct. It goes on from here for quite a bit. There's a lot of details in here. I'm not going to read them all because it will take forever. It's also talking about test yourself in deadly new dungeons vaults. While I use unslept Malthus grew in strength, harnessing the awesome power of the loom and corrupting the vast network of vaults lying dormant. Originally armed to keep out any demonic influence, the very hazards implemented now protect the forces of evil they once kept at bay. The vaults are specialized dungeons that house elemental hazards divided devised by Zoltan Kuhl and Ayushan themselves. Amongst the hazard laid the Constructs, an entirely new monster family. Several elemental variants of these monsters lurk in wait for any unsuspecting wanderers who fall into their mechanical clutches. Upon entering the vault after converting the required pearls of warding, you can be blessed by Zoltan's warding, a special layered blessing which grants access to riches within the vaults. Zoltan's warding diminishes stack by stack if you manage to fall prey to the various hazards scattered throughout the vaults. If you manage to keep Sultan's warding intact after defeating the vault boss, you'll unlock a hard-woven chest, which has a higher chance of granting legendary items. Using pearls of warding can increase the risk by exchanging them for extra stacks of Sultan's warding at the vault entrance. Succeed, and your reward will increase as well. At World Tier 3, Nightmare Vaults Unlock. 
that's not too bad. I got to world tier three before, but this seems like it's going to be a lot tougher. You know, season two, I'm kind of doing. This one I think is going to be a struggle at first and then people will figure it out right away. These vaults function similar to nightmare dungeons. However, they will have deadly constructs and hazards scattered throughout and the heart ward woven chests for the savvy wanderer. And then there's a bunch of other stuff going on. There's a leaderboard coming up. There's quality of life updates in the season of the construct and you know how you can put in different skills and things. And, and that's kind of how that one goes. I think it's going to be fun. It might be really frustrating for me at first because I don't think I'm going to figure it out right away. But, you know, it can be done. We've got another article here from Blizzard Watch by uh, Liz Pat. Diablo 4 Season 3, Conquer the Creations of Zoltan Cool in Season of the Construct. With exactly a week before launch, we have the first details of Diablo 4 Season 3, Season of the Construct, a.k.a. the Season of the Orange Text. Oh, God. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> Deep beneath the swirling sands of the deserts, the demon Malthus is amassing an elementally powered army to conquer Sanctuary, and, of course, it's up to us to stop him. So join us as we explore the first details of our upcoming of our coming adventures deep under the sands of Kedjistan. This is what we know about Diablo 4 Season 3 so far. There is a video in that one as well. So here's some stuff. Here are the major features. I'll give you those. Here are the major features in Diablo 4 Season 3. Customize your robotic Seneschal companion. Acquire a Seneschal companion during the seasonal quest line by unlocking the power of the loom. The Seneschal is a unique construct companion. Compa customize your Seneschal's powers with a system similar to Season 2's vampiric powers by using governing and tuning stones in the rune panel. Level up your existing stones and earn some XP by fusing duplicate stones together. Gain a new base of operations in Gate Hall. The starting point for Season 3, the Gate Hall, is a town center situated underneath Kedjistan, functioning as both our base of operations for this season and our entry to access the vaults which hold the key to conquering the power of Zoltan Kool's loom. Explore Zoltan Kool's vaults, where the Seneschal is the helper of the season, the vaults, are the challenge. They're specialized dungeons holding a variety of traps, elemental hazards, and constructs, a new monster family for D4. The Zoltan's warding blessing and pearls of warding improve the rewards granted from the vault, but also increase the risks you can fall prey to. At World Tier 3, the Nightmare Dungeon form of vaults unlocks with their own vault sigils to craft at the Occultist, also using pearls of warding. And of course, what would make Diablo 4, a major Diablo 4 patch be without the quality of life improvements we know and love. Some change and will also be coming to the base game with Season 3. Helltides will be persistently active with a five-minute rest once per hour. An additional stash tab is joining the mix for us gear hoarders. WASD movement is available, finally, without having to apply custom mappings. And a new respec mode makes build updates incredibly easier without having to do a full refund and starting from scratch. Goes on from there. And lastly... From six days ago, Wowhead has posted the Art of Diablo Volume 2 release date revealed. Hint at expansion release date? Question mark. This is written by Arctane. And um, yeah, there's a picture of the book that's here. You can pre-order it if you want to. Let's see what happens if I click on that button. It takes you to Amazon. I don't know if I have this or not. I might. I'm not sure. Uh, it looks like it's... No, I don't have it because it is going to be released on July 2 of 2024. So none of you have it either, <laughs> you know? Um, it looks kind of interesting. I'm always interested in like the Diablo books and the art and the lore and all of that kind of stuff. I think it's cool. A small portion of sales from the Amazon link. If I click that and then buy it through the Amazon link from the Wowhead article, if I go through there, Wowhead gets some support to uh, keep their, you know, their website going. 
Um, so here's a little bit about that. Volume two of the art book series will contain over 500 works of art and concepts from Diablo III Resurrected, Diablo Immortal, and Diablo IV. Expect some gloriously gory and beautiful art from the second volume when it is released, as the first volume of The Art of Diablo did not disappoint. And there's some pictures in here from The Art of Diablo, like the first one. Uh, something to consider is that the release date for volume two of The Art of Diablo might give a hint towards a possible release date for Diablo 4 Vessel of Hatred. The expansion for Diablo 4 is officially slated to be released sometime in late 2024, but there is a possibility that some of the images inside the book might contain information about or insight into the Vessel of Hatred. The Book of Lorath released April 18, 2023, and Diablo 4 released just two months, a just two months after. Blizzard is planning for a huge reveal about the B Vessel of Hatred in early summer, which is expected to be around May or June. The book will release one to two months after after, and if the previous release schedule holds true, it's possible, albeit unlikely, we can expect Vessel of Hatred to release in August or September of 2024. Only time will tell, but we're all excited to see what is in store for Sanctuary. And that's all I have for you today. You're probably tired of hearing my voice at this point, and I really want to go jump back into Diablo 4. So this is where I'm going to end the show. You have been listening to episode 442 of The Shattered Soulstone, your Diablo community podcast. Missed an episode? You can find the show blog and listen to the show archives at www.shatteredsoulstone.com. Come join us in-game. Our in-game community and clan, both named Shattered Soulstone, are open to anyone who would like to join. You can also join us on Discord for the ultimate team and community-based experience. Find the Discord invitation link on our Twitter at Shattered Stone, as well as the Shattered Soulstone website. Thank you for listening.